Hey, welcome to the Victory Family Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. All right. Can't encourage you enough to connect and get involved in freedom. It's just an incredible experience. I want to take a moment, welcome Meadville and Newcastle, those worshiping with us online. Cranberry, would you welcome them? Come on, we love you guys. One church, multiple locations. Last week, uh, Pastor Sean shared, man, he did a great job, didn't he? What a great kid. I mean, he's a wonderful young man. Aren't you grateful for Sean? Yeah, Meadville, you're blessed to have him. And uh, next week, we're going to, I'm going to bust him, man, I'm telling you. <laughs> we're going to have a great time next week. It's a great time, great, great, great time to bring people far from God because it's going to be just a, a blast. Now, you may wonder, can you have fun in church? Like people say to me, like, you shouldn't laugh in church. I'm thinking, why? They say, well, it's supposed to be horrible and miserable. And no, God, laughter came from God. And so it's, it, you can enjoy his presence and have a blast in his presence. So you bring folks far from God and, and let God do something great in their life as we just have a really unique time next weekend as we celebrate the Super Bowl weekend. Sadly, the Steelers won't be in it. So I don't really care who wins, to be honest with you at that point. But uh, it'll be a great, great weekend. Make sure you, you focus on that. This is the third and final week as we're really helping you to understand the why you should be in a small group. And, uh, uh, and so we've covered basically three basic areas that small groups do. They, they help you to grow spiritually. They help you to connect to people. And today I want to help you understand how they provide care for you, real care. Not just in a very superficial way, but I hope today to get you to the depths of what you understand. That If you'll understand what that care can provide for you, it's life-changing. Now, weekly we do this. We have small groups for all of our students as well. So if, you're, if, you're, if, you're, uh, if your student is in children's or, uh, or in elementary or all the way up through junior high, senior high, they have small groups built into their meetings, including the senior high on Wednesday night. So we, this value, is, it transcends the adult service because small groups matter, and we really want to help you to do that. Now, if you've been to Victory any length of time, you hear us say again and again, this simple statement that we exist to help all people. Everyone say all people. All people realize that God loves them unconditionally. All people means all people. Those that love God, hate God, ignore God, deny God. Your actions or misactions toward God, if you will, don't change who he is. And when a person understands the unconditional love of God, the Bible said that you understand his goodness. It is the goodness of God that leads men and women to turn their life toward him and repent and turn and receive Christ. It's the doorway to receiving salvation. But not just God loving you in a very general way, but there are four desires that burn in the heart of the God of all creation for you individually. Now, when I say individually, that was hard for me growing up. I grew up in religion where I, I, it wasn't that all of it was bad. I mean, there were some, some values of, uh, that I learned, that, that a fear and reverence of God, but I, I didn't know anything about him. If you were to say to me that God intimately knew me, cared about me, had desires for me, that would have been so foreign to me, and it's foreign for many of you. And there are four basic desires that, that permeate the heart of God for every human being on planet Earth, those that love him, serve him, those that don't. And the first is that you would know him, intimately know him. Secondly, that you would find freedom. That means you get past your past. Your yesterdays no longer define your tomorrows. Thirdly, that you would discover purpose, the reason he made you. Two greatest days of your life, the day you were born and the day you find out why. 
And the fourth is to make an impact. In other words, acting on that purpose beyond the sphere and circumference of your own life. Now, finding freedom, the primary way God helps us to do that is in a small group environment through relationships. And there's a longing in my heart for you as a pastor. The best way I can explain it is all week as I began to, just as I prepared to speak with you this weekend, and I prayed about this and I pray for you, this longing comes up in my heart, desiring for you to be free. It's, it, the only way I can explain it, I think, where it would make sense to most of us is if you're a parent or maybe you have a, d- a deep relationship with, a, with, with, a, with somebody's child, a niece, nephew, maybe a, f- a friend of a family. And, and you know there are things that you have in your soul for them. And there's a longing for, for you to be able to help them see it so they can have the life or the freedom that you desire for them. I don't know how to put it into words, but as pastoring is similar to parenting. Is that if, if you do it with the heart of God, there's a longing for people. And I long for you to be free. Free from the things that have shaped and misshaped your life and my life. That freedom will set you on a path to being able to live your life in the manner which God called you to live it. Three simple points I want to take you through today. And they, they'll sound very simple, but if you'll let the Holy Spirit teach you This can be life-changing if you'll take these next steps. Here's the simple point number one. Small groups are where you receive care. Small groups are where you receive care. Everybody say care. Now, care means a lot of different things to different people. I grew up with four brothers. And care meant they didn't beat you. All right? So, I mean, my brothers, if they knew you were in pain, they found the spot and put their elbow in it. And so my mom was a very nurturing person. Uh, and so she, but it was hard for her to overcome five men, a husband, even a, a dog that was male. <laughs> but Michelle grew up very differently. She's, she, you know, she's a girl. I don't know if you're aware of that. You know, she is, though. And, and so when Michelle gets sick and I get sick, we want two different things. I grew up with brothers. Honestly, when I get sick, I just want to, if I'm, if I'm having to trust God through something, I, I, I'm good. Just like a dog. Leave me in a corner alone. I'll be fine. I really don't. I just good. Leave me. I'm good. I'm good. But Michelle's not like that. And when she's that way, when she's not feeling well, I, I, I kind of give her what I think, I think I need. So I'll go in and, and I'll say, you, you okay? Yeah, yeah. I'm all, I'm all right. Can I get you anything? No, no. And then I'll go away for about five hours, six hours. I said, well, you know, you have your phone. If you need me, call. No, I'm not joking. You said, well, you're very insensitive. I told you, if you come to this church, your husband's going to look better and better all the time. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. And for all, well, this June will be 35 years we've been married. And, and here's the thing. Is, oh, I'm thankful for that too. There's a martyr's crown for Michelle, but other than that, it's a good thing. And but in th- you think I'd have picked it up in 35 years, but uh, usually what she'll say to me at some point through her recovery is this. I wish you'd just take care of me like my mom did and like my granny did when I'm sick. And I said, well, if, I told you if you need me to call. She said, it's been four or five hours. You, you, you didn't even come check on me. I thought, well, you didn't call. <laughs> she has an expectation of real care. And again, growing up with all men, it made it hard for me to even get the conception. So after 30, almost 35 years, maybe you should have picked it up by now. Maybe so. 
And, uh, but we'll work on that. And, uh, you know, of course, I'll be in therapy and counseling to get through it. But, it's, but the reality of it is, that's what care is. Care is what literally you do for someone when they're injured or they're hurting. And I want to talk to you specifically about what a small group actually provides for you. I want to make a statement that I think is one of the most powerful statements I've, I've heard said. And I'm morphing what I heard said, and I forget who said it or I'd give them credit. But a small group is a colony of heaven in a culture of death. A small group is a colony of heaven in a culture of death. I don't think you need to be a Christian or have any spiritual values at all to look at the world we're living in and see it, seeing it spiral like a toilet would flush. The most insane things are celebrated not cared for and wanting to serve the people in, that, in those broken places to help them, but to actually celebrate the brokenness and pretend it's a virtue. It's a crazy world you live in. Crazy world I live in. And what I want to help you to see that a small group of when believers can get together and create relationships, you will create a colony of heaven in the culture of death. Every person that walks with God, God desires for you and for me to grow up spiritually. The Bible says that we actually are to produce spiritual fruit in our life. Book of Galatians tells you love, joy, peace, temperance, long-suffering, faithfulness. These are things that should be growing in my life. But here's what I want you to understand about the growth of the fruit in my life and your life. That fruit isn't for me to eat. It's to feed those around me. Most people see their walk with God very, very selfishly. Help me. The fruit in my life isn't for me, it's to feed others. And a small group environment is where you can actually let what God has put in you to actually go into others. There are really only two postures that you should have and, should must, and must have, I should say, as a Christian in your life. Two simple postures in God's kingdom. Who are you lifting and who's lifting you? And we need both. Who am I lifting and who's lifting me? Sometimes we're, we're okay with helping others, but we're not so much at letting others help us. And there's good reasons why a lot of us don't want to get in small group environments. Because the relationships have been some of the greatest source of pain in your life. And so you have a natural inclination to push away from it. But my hope today is that by the time we get through here, you're going to see how desperately deceptive that belief is and will actually keep you back from the freedom that God has for you. Let me show you an example in the Bible where a small group made a difference in somebody's life in the gospel of Luke chapter five, verse 17. One day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed these men showed up from every village and every Gal- and all of Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. I want you to notice God's power was there to heal their sick bodies. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and they took off some of the tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Verse 20, the scripture said, seeing their faith. Say it out loud, their faith. faith. This is so important. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, 
Young man, your, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, who does he think he is? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe. And they praised God exclaiming, we've seen amazing things today. Yeah, I think so. What I want you to see in this story is here's a man who's incapacitated. Now it's physical and you can understand that. But he had a group of friends and he was a young man, probably his, his friends. And they said, and they saw their friend's condition. They said, this Jesus is, is healing the sick. We need to get you to him. And the fact of it is he couldn't get there on his own. Listen to me. There are places you will never get on your own as a Christian when it comes to being made whole in your everyday life, emotionally, even spiritually, certainly, and even physically. And they said, no, no. And they carried him on his mat to where Jesus was. And when they got there, the, room, the house was full. They couldn't get in. But what I want you to see about small groups People that love you. See, if you'll commit to being in a small group with consistency, you're going to find and make some of the greatest friends of your life, these kind of friends. It may not happen the first time. You know, you ever been with somebody five minutes? I mean, you're with them five minutes, it feels like four hours. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. You've had it happen. But you ever been with somebody four hours, it feels like five minutes? You're not going to connect with everybody. But you stay connected until those connections happen. Because the body is supposed to have, if you will, unity, but not union. My body's in unity, but if my ankle ever connects to the small of my back, take me to the hospital. But if you'll stick around, you'll make these kind of friends. You really will. And when they couldn't get him in, imagine the guy that looked up and said, hey, he's probably the crazy friend. Why don't we drag him up on the roof and rip it open and just lower him down? Now, how do I know that he was a young man? Because if, his, if he was my age and we were all in our 60s, we'd have said, let's wait outside till Jesus leaves. <laughs> I ain't climbing on no roof. And if I carry you up, we're all going to need healing. They get on the roof and they rip the roof, I don't have time to give you the, how roofs were built in that day. They tore a hole in a guy's house. Imagine, you start seeing things fall down. Jesus is teaching, and he's, the power of God's present to heal them, and none of them got healed. And you'll see why in a minute. And all of a sudden, stuff starts falling down, and everything stops, and they're all looking up. And, and probably the crazy one stuck his head through the hole and went, and they started ripping stuff because you didn't lower him down from his neck. That would have been bad. They, they lowered him down on a mat right into the presence of Jesus. And the Bible said Jesus saw their faith. Jesus saw their faith. Their faith. You are not going to make it in this life with your own faith by yourself. You are designed by God to need other people. You see, the care of a small group 
will actually, in those relationships that are formed, will actually get you to Jesus when you've lost your strength and you've even lost your way. Let me say this lastly on this point. Being alone is a self-inflicted wound. Being alone is a self-inflicted wound. And you don't have to live that way, no matter what's in your past. Second point is this. Small groups provide critical care. Small groups provide critical care. We could use the word triage. Triage is you're assessing the urgency of a person's injury and then the nature of the treatment necessary. That's what triage is. You're, if you're in an emergency room, they're always doing triage. Who's the most urgent? Remember, if you're in the emergency room, how many of you agree? That's where you don't want to be first, right? It's okay to be put in the long line. That means you can live without it. But there is a reality that every one of us need triage. Somebody in our life needs to be able to come alongside and help us evaluate the urgency of our need. To, to help us to, to understand the nature of our injury and the nature of the treatment I need. What do I need to get better? Religion just tells you, well, go ahead and change and stop doing that. Yeah, okay, wonderful. But that's not how it works. There is a power source that doesn't come from me that sets me free. The nature of my injury is unique to me, but also is the nature of my treatment. A small group is there somebody, a group of people that love me, and actually when you make great friends, they can come in and help assess you and then walk through the fire with you through the treatment, whatever that means in your life. But it also means that I should be doing that for other people. I can promise you this, if those two values, if those two postures are happening in my life and your life with any continuum, you're going to live a fulfilled life and you are going to continually grow spiritually because everyone, I mean everyone needs urgent godly care, every one of us. If we are going to overcome the wounds that have misshaped our beliefs about God and how we see ourselves. The reason most people struggle with, with God is he's been misshaped of who he really is. In our environments of religion or family or lack thereof have misshaped who God is and, we, and we've grown crooked, if you will. But when you get into a small group environment, you begin to have people encourage you and stand with you and walk you through it. People need you when they need you. That's the nature of urgency. Friends show up when they're needed, not when it's convenient. And I'm telling you, if you will have any level of commitment to a small group, over time, you will make those connections and you will have not just friends. Because by the way, you can have friends that aren't godly. And the Bible said if you do that, it will drive you into darkness. If your closest friends are people that don't walk with God, doesn't mean you should ignore people. But your, your most intimate relationships should be people that can add value to you, not help lead you into the dark. Small groups will help you do that intentionally. Years ago, actually when we were, when Victory was just maybe five, six years old, we were actually located on the other side of Cranberry. And I was, at that point, the church was relatively small and I was still doing virtually all of the meetings and counseling, if you will. And this, this young woman, I don't know, probably close to 30, came in. She had cancer. And, and she just needed some natural care. And I said, well, do you have family in the area? Yeah, I do. I said, are your parents alive? Yeah. I said, well, are your, 
can you call your parents to help you with some? No, no, that's not how my family works. They, they don't really do that. I said, what do you mean they don't do that? And she kind of explained it and it was sad. I said, can I show you something? She said, sure. So I just hit the speakerphone, dialed my friend, Pat Butcher. He's my best good friend. I call him, we're Bubba and Forrest. We joke with each other. I'll call him and Pat had a heart attack about a year ago. He's in intensive care. I went in, I'm standing there and he's kind of unconscious. I looked at him. This is from Forrest Gump. I went, you got shot, Bubba. That's how men help each other, you know. So I dialed Pat's number, hello, and I said, hey, Butch, listen, buddy, I need $10,000 tomorrow, and I have time to tell you why. And this is when $10,000 would have been, how he would have found it or I would have found it at that point in our life would have been very difficult. He said, you all right? I said, well, it's going to be all right, but I need you to gather $10,000 and get it up to me tomorrow. It's a six-hour drive. He said, all right, hung up. She said, that guy's going to get you $10,000? I said, yeah. Why would he do that? Because he's my friend. And he could make the same phone call if I had to borrow the money to do it. But aren't you going to want to find out why? Doesn't he need to know why? I said, no, 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 no. That's not how friendship works. Now, I'd like to tell you, here's the rest of the story. Next day, Pat called me. He was about to leave town. He said, he said news, I'm on my way with the money. I said, oh, I forgot to call you back. I'm not good with details. It's not age. I was never good with it. I said, you know, go, you can go ahead and bring it back. And uh, no, I, I explained why I did it. Can I tell you what this kind of care will do if you have it in your life? It will help you and me refamily the earth. What do I mean refamily? Remember this about the family. The family is the image of God in the earth. That's why it's under such attack. Not because of this group or that group. It's the enemy of your soul distorting God's image in the earth. The family is the image of God in the earth. I don't have time to go into much depth about that right now. And the enemy of your soul wants to break apart families. The destruction and the disintegration of the family crosses all socioeconomic boundaries, ethnic, racial boundaries, because it's set ablaze of hell. And people need to be refamilied. This is the environment where you can actually learn what a family, the family of God looks like. Imperfect people in it. But this is the kind of critical care that it should offer. Here's the third and final thing is this. Small groups remove the stinger of shame. Small groups remove the stinger of shame. And this is... One of the most central reasons why people don't walk with God, shame. When I was a kid, uh, we, in our yard, there were all these white little flowers. Today, you would call them weeds. I thought they were flowers. And, uh, and bees liked them. And you know, as a kid, you run in the, in the summer in your bare feet. And two or three times every summer, I'd be running and man, boom, I'd get stung by a bee. Every time, I, I, I mean, I don't, maybe I was just dramatic, but I just felt like I was going to die. And I'm screaming, I'm going in the house, I'm stung by, I'm stung by a bee. My mom's there and she's, she's trying to help me. And, and, and finally she says, if you'll just sit still long enough, honey, I can get the stinger out. It'll start to feel better. If you'll let me get the stinger out, you've got to sit still. And everything in me, I sit still. She pulled that stinger out and the pain was reduced immediately. 
The stinger of shame, if it isn't removed, is going to poison your life forever. The stinger of shame is destructive. And it will drive you away from God and God's people. So what is it? See, when I do wrong, it's natural to feel guilt. Guilt is feeling badly about what you did. And Jesus dealt with guilt in that he purchased my and paid for my sin. And he frees me from my guilt because he forgives me. But shame is different. Shame is when you believe there's something innately wrong with you. That you can never be enough for God. You can never do enough. You can never study the Bible, read enough, pray enough, be good enough. I can never, how can I, with the Holy, how can I make him do good for me? Shame makes you try to earn a God that can't be earned. Shame will drive you into what is, the Bible would call self-righteousness. Shame will tell you that there are 15 things you need to do for God to stomach you. Please remember this, my actions, good or bad, don't make God who he is. Who God is is what can set me free from my life. But the sting of shame remains with people. It doesn't matter how much money you have, how successful you are, or how unsuccessful. Shame will morph the image of God into something dangerous to you. And you'll wait to somehow, maybe I'll get there. I'm not quite there yet. I'm just too messed up. And shame is a driver. And it's a stinger that remains in most Christians for their entire life. Satan's stinger of shame in our culture is named this, cancel culture. that, That didn't happen because a group of people came up with it. That came from hell. Where somebody does something and somebody in their underwear in their basement goes, I hate you, cancel, cancel. And then other people in their underwear, and then it's like, well, they, I don't know who they is. Most people are governed by they and you wouldn't let they watch your dog. Just a thought. I wouldn't let them watch my dog and I don't like dogs. That isn't people, that's hell. That is the language of hell. Let me wipe you. You, you. you mess that up. You're done. There's no way back for you. You're done. Can I start over? No, you're done. You're canceled. That came from the pit of hell. And most Christians, while they may not embrace that concept culturally, if you're not careful, without, without a small group, you will embrace it personally. It's unavoidable. Because Satan will deceive you. He will try to deceive me to reject the very environment that will remove the stinger of shame from my life. And I want to show you how that happens. How a small group, an intimate relationship with other believers can literally remove the stinger of shame from your life. It's so important to understand this. So, so critically important. Years ago, when I was in Bible school, I went uh, to a Bible school and the man who founded the Bible school was in a sense a a spiritual father to me. Not personally, it was from a distance. His name's Kenneth Hagin. And he told this story that has always stuck with me through the years. Hagin talked about the story when he was at a minister's meeting with a group of pastors. And, you know, three, four hundred pastors. And they, and they go, friends, just gathering around talking. And one of their ministers had committed adultery and blew up his family. And his name came up in conversation. There's a bunch to the story, but I'm just going to get to the part that I believe would be helpful 
for the context of what I'm trying to help you with today. And, 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 and you know, the guy just kind of went off the rails. And then they began to kind of discuss, you know, we see this happen, obviously, in our churches. And, and they began to, he began to ask this question in his heart. He said, Lord, why aren't we seeing people like that restored back to their faith? Why don't, why don't, I know your word tells us that they're supposed to be restored no matter what's happened in their life. Why don't we see it? We see it so rarely. He said, and the Holy Spirit began to deal with his heart. He said, it's in the verse that you quoted to me. Let me read it to you. In Galatians 6 verse 1, Paul wrote to the church of Galatia and he said, dear brothers and sisters, he's writing to Christians. If another believer, everyone say believer. If another believer gets trapped overtaken by wrongdoing or sin, you who are spiritual should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Not criticize them, not go tell 15 people, and certainly not cancel them. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share and carry. Everyone say carry. We're commanded to share and carry each other's strong burdens. Say it aloud, strong burdens. And in doing this, you are obeying the royal law of Christ. And I put there, James 2, 8 talks about the royal law of God is love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, Lord, I know that. I just quoted that to you. He's he's talking to the Lord. He said, "But, but why aren't we seeing it done? He said, it's in the verse. And he said, I read it again. And I said, but Lord, but why isn't it happening? He said, it's in the verse. They went, he just, he said, I'm just, I'm confused. And finally I said, Lord, I don't understand. He said, the Holy Spirit just spoke so sweetly in my heart. He said, the reason that people are not being restored by you pastors is in that verse. It says, you that are spiritual should do it. None of you are spiritual. And he said, it's like a punch in the stomach. See, he always, he said, I thought of spirituality as all the spiritual things you do in life and your personal devotional life. He said, but the Bible defines a spiritual man or woman very differently. Here's a spiritual man or a woman, someone who goes to someone in 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 the trap and gently and humbly helps them out of the trap and carries the strong burden they can't carry themselves. If you've ever been a part of a marriage blowing up or if you've been the, maybe the person that committed the, the adultery, whatever it might be, there are burdens that we carry in life that the sting of regret get attached to them and they'll bury you. And you'll live your life in shame because you can't change yesterday. He said, but you that are spiritual, you go into the trap with them. You don't sit around and write blogs about the trap. Some of the things that are most distressing to me are when I hear Christians just Spend their time finding other Christians to criticize. Jesus, I love you. It's your church I struggle with. Really? Do you know the church is called the bride of Christ? Come up to me and say, hey, I love you. Your wife's a pig. Yeah, that's not going to go very well. So what would you do? I would hope to be restrained. But I might, because I grew up with brothers, drop you. I'll repent. Maybe. Tell me you love Jesus and hate his bride. This is subtle, but it's dangerous. 
And what I want you to see is so very simple. A spiritual person is defined by how we care for those who are trapped. The strong burden of the sting of shame will not, will not, will not come out without receiving the care and acceptance of others in the very midst, listen now, of your shame and of your pain. Scripture tells us that when we came to Jesus that we were accepted by God through Christ into his beloved family. You're accepted by God. You're in. It's the same word accepted in the Greek. That the, it's only used twice in the New Testament. The, the, the other time was when the angel appeared to Mary and said, Behold, Mary, you are highly favored. That's the kind of acceptance that God has over you when you gave your life to Jesus. But it isn't only supposed to happen with God in you. Small groups are where you can receive that unconditional love and acceptance from people. That's why I so strongly encourage you, if you have not yet gone through freedom, the freedom small group, it's 13 weeks with, it ends with the 13 week being the retreat. And it's been able to be scaled down as little as eight weeks. Some of them are different lengths. Freedom isn't about addiction. It's about getting free from the way you see God and the way your past is shaped, the way you see God and yourself. It's one of the most powerful things I've ever gone through in my life. But multiple times, Michelle's gone through it multiple times. I'm leading a freedom group right, that starts next week, personally. Why? Because I'm not speaking to you about something you need to do. I'm in the same boat you're in. If you have never gone through freedom, they're, they're available. All, you know, go on our website, the small group finder. You can find one close to you. Get in a freedom group. The second one that we're, that, there's so many small groups, but the second one I want to point you to is called Unconditional. It's about the unconditional love of God, where I did three teachings that will be taught through, that are on video, if you will. They'll be linked and you can watch them as a group. And then there's a workbook put together to help you truly understand the unconditional love of God. I want to encourage you to do these things because if you don't put yourself in the environment where someone can say, hey, sit still and let me pull that, 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 that stinger out. The question I have to ask Will you sit still long enough to let God, through the the loving care of other people that love Jesus with you, imperfect as you are, help pull the stinger of shame out? Until that stinger is removed, you will never walk with God intimately because it will drive you away from him. I say this all the time, but it's true, and this is true of your small groups. We are not here to see through you, but to see you through. It doesn't take any kind of spiritual depth to criticize people any angry or miserable person can be a critic and a lot of critics they do it in the name of Jesus they tell you what's wrong with everybody that's not my job it's my job to build not tear down there's a devil to tear down doesn't need my help people need for people to, to literally go into the trap with them And carry that strong burden with them. Because they won't get out on their own. People need Jesus with skin. You are the body of Christ, the scripture said. Jesus is the head of the church. The skin in the body of Christ is on you and me. Small groups are where people experience Jesus with skin. Doesn't matter if it's a small group based on a a Bible study or an activity. Running small group. And by the way, you'll never see me in that small group. Say, why? You should run. 
Yeah, as the old adage, if you see me running, someone's chasing me. Okay, it's just not my thing. If you like to run, God bless you. You're probably thin too. Yeah, none of us like you, just so you know. No, no, we, 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 no, we like you. No, we don't. We don't like you at all. You get to make the decision of whether you leave this place of being isolated. God can't do that for me. Remember this. This is so, so important. Being alone, remember, is a self-inflicted wound. I want to pray over every one of you today, those who have already committed to being in a small group and those that, that should at all of our campuses. And for those that, that should step out and lead a small group, let me pray over you right now, right at all of our campuses. For those of you online here at Cranberry, would you just open your heart to God as I pray over you? And I'm going to exercise the authority that belongs to me as a Christian to speak freedom over your life. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the privilege to be able to lead others into a place of freedom. I thank you that we are called to lift others, but we're also called to be lifted. And I pray for every person as they step into a small group, those that have already committed to do so and those that should, that as they step into that arena, they will experience care. They will experience critical care. And they will receive love and acceptance in human form because until they receive the love and acceptance of people in the midst of their shame and pain, they will never know freedom. It must come from people, the people of God, as much as from the very heart of God himself. And I pray for those environments to thrive and for the stinger of shame to be removed. And that will cause them to lurch forward like an emergency brake being taken off a car in motion. They'll lurch forward in their spiritual growth. They'll lurch forward in their freedom. And they'll enjoy your presence and your company. And they'll fulfill their purpose. And the yesterdays of their life will never will no longer dictate their tomorrows. And I pray for those that will lead small groups and those that should lead them. Help them to understand that they are creating a culture of care. They are creating a culture of care in a world that's so very, very broken. Father, I thank you for that in the wonderful name of Jesus. A culture of care in a world that's just so broken. I speak that over their life in the wonderful name of Jesus those that should lead Lord help them to take that step help them to see that there are others that you will cause and call them to lift up there's no greater joy than watching another life come into freedom because of obedience I speak that over them in the name the wonderful name of Jesus at all of our campuses Holy Spirit move in their hearts today you are the teacher you are the one that will literally cement these things in their soul I long for them to know freedom and that longing is just an ounce of the ton of it that you have for them that they would find freedom discover their purpose and make an impact and live out the desires of, of their father God on this earth I speak that over their life and with every head bowed and every eye closed in all of our campuses if today you were to leave this earth through death do you know where you'd spend eternity there really is a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun I don't say that to be fearful. I said that because Jesus said that. And Jesus said, literally, I've come to pay the price that you couldn't pay. Religion will tell you that there's things you can do to make God love you. 
Make God like you. Make God forgive you. Attend church. Receive the sacrament of a church. Do good things. All of those things are wonderful. Look, I'm a pastor, and we've talked about the necessity of gathering together. That's critical. But it won't make you right with God. Only one thing makes an individual right with God and free from the debt of their sin, and that's a Savior. God is a righteous God, and He's holy. And because of the sin in my life, he's judged me guilty. And I'm sentenced to an eternity without him. The Bible said the mercy of God boasted against the judgment of God. And he so loved you and me that he came to this very earth, born of a virgin. And God became human. And Jesus, for 33 plus years or so, lived a sinless, spotless life. And when he hung on that cross as the innocent son of God, the lamb of God, All of the wrath of God that was due me fell to him. In other words, God judged me guilty and then he paid my penalty. And when he hung on that cross, that's why the Bible said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in my body, I live by the faith of the Son of God, listen, who loved me and gave himself for me. He died for you. He rose from the dead and he conquered death for you and me. And he paid the debt that you couldn't pay. If you believe that he is the son of God and he ever lives and he rose from the dead and he paid the sin debt that you couldn't pay and you desire to make him the savior and Lord of your life and receive him, I'm going to give you that opportunity at all of our campuses. By the way, he turns no one away. No one. Salvation, freedom from your sin, eternal life, the ability to know, that, to know that when you die, you immediately go to heaven, not because of what you've done, but because of the person that you received that paid your debt. That's available to every human being if they choose Jesus. So now you have the moment in your life, maybe the most important, certainly, this is the most important decision you will ever make in your, in your human experience, is what will you do with the Savior? Because one thing is certain, no one escapes death. So with every head bowed and every eye closed at all of our campuses, just me and the campus pastors are watching. With every other head bowed and eye closed, I want to give you the opportunity to receive the one who died for you. With every head bowed, eye closed, in a moment I'll ask you to raise your hand if you desire to pray a prayer to invite Christ into your life. He turns no one away. And then we will all pray that prayer out loud and together with you right where you're seated. I'm not going to single you out. This isn't about your heroics. I'm not going to make you do something you don't want to do. This isn't about what you do for God. It's about you receiving what he has done for you through Jesus. His love is unimaginable. Don't resist the person of God, the Holy Spirit, pulling on your heart. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're watching online, you can put it down in the comments. I'm praying with Pastor John. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, say, Pastor In all of our campuses, I want to be included in that prayer to invite Christ in my heart. Would you please include me in that prayer? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Right where you're at, just simply raise your hand high so we can see at the campus pastors. We're going to pray for you. Do it right now. Do it right now. Do it right now. God bless you. Hands are everywhere. God bless you. You can put your hands back down at all the campuses. If you raised your hand, or you should have, I want you to pray with me. But one last time, I think you can see that I'm not going to single anybody out. If you didn't yet raise your hand at all of our campuses, you say, I really do want to 
give my life to Christ, please include me as well. I could see you're not going to, you know, make me do something that's odd or single me out or embarrass me. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. See, I didn't raise my hand yet, but I really do want to be included with those that did. Right where you're at, just simply raise your hand where we can see at the campus pastors and we'll pray for you. Do it right now and we'll include you as well. Thank you. Best decision of your life. You can put your hands back down. Pray this out loud where you hear it and we're all going to pray it together with you. And when you do, you're not praying some dead religious prayer. You're inviting the son of the living God, whoever lives, come into your life and he will make you brand new your sin debt will be canceled and when you die you will be heaven bound because of the savior that you received most important day of your life prayed out loud where you hear it and we're going to pray it together with you say heavenly father i prayed out loud where you hear it say heavenly father i come to you in the name of jesus and i believe with all my heart that jesus is the son of god He died on a cross in my place. The wrath of God that was due me fell to him. Thank you, Jesus, for bearing my sin. Thank you for dying in my place and being risen from the dead for me. So I open the door of my life and my heart. And Jesus, I receive you now to be the Savior and the Lord of my life. Thank you for coming. I am now a child of God. My sin debt is absolutely canceled. And when I die, I'm heaven bound because Jesus is the Lord of my life. Amen, amen. Give him a hand, would you, at all the campuses. Best decision of your life. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Victory Family Church. If you enjoyed listening, please take a moment to rate, review, and share. For more resources, including locations and service times, please visit lifeatvictory.com. 